O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, and whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change, who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does all these things shall never be moved. The grass withers and the flower fades, and the word of our Lord will stand forever. You may be seated. Taking a bit of a break this morning from our regularly scheduled programming. A couple of reasons for that. Well, there's been a lot that's been going on. Um, Some circumstances uh, that have forced us to alter our schedules some. And things that have presented uh, public issues that really ought to be addressed. I've been um, thinking about the current events the last few weeks and thinking about what, what should and could and can be said about them. And in the meantime, um, receiving some, some pressure, good pressure, I think, um, if not always presented in, in exactly the best way. Um, one pastor with whom I went to high school uh, called all the rest of us out and said that if we weren't speaking up, and particularly if we weren't saying what he thought we should say, um, there were only two explanations. Either we were afraid, or we were deceived. I think there's probably some truth to that. Um, Maybe it's not exactly so simple. Uh, Maybe there's another reason for being slow to speak or reluctant to speak on certain matters. Um, For mine personally... Um, It's kind of a combination of those two things. Um, I'm particularly afraid of being deceived and speaking before I know what's actually going on. Um, This is is a category, I confess, in which I'd I'd place myself. A little more than a little bit reluctant to believe what I'm reading in the news, reading on social media. I am perhaps a bit of a skeptic and... I do think I come by it honestly, beginning with with my experience as a a young adult, 18 years old, back in high school. Um, There was a little mishap at a wrestling tournament in which I was involved, and it was a a mistake that was made by the tournament, and it was a mistake that threatened to keep me from competing, and it was actually a fairly important tournament. Um, After this was all over, I was was interviewed by um, one of the sports writers from the Dayton Daily News, who thought that what had happened would make a good story. I I should actually say, he thought that he could make it into a good story, um, which is what happened. I remember um, being in history class and and my history teacher reading the article to the the whole class. And um, I remember not hearing a single word that I had actually said. Um, Rather, I I remember hearing um, a rather 
um, obvious caricature that completely misrepresented everything that I'd said. Um, how I felt about it, what had happened. And, I, and I'm sure it made a better story to have it play out that the, the angry young wrestler who wasn't going to let the tournament organizers mess with him anymore was speaking up. I'm sure that was a, a fabulous story. Um, but it, it wasn't the truth. It wasn't even close. And uh, the story he told was an invented story. And, and my name and my reputation was used to tell this invented story. Um, it, was, it was at that point um, that I realized for the first time that reporters um, could embellish what they were reporting up to and including whole cloth invention of dialogue. Um, that some of them were at least willing to do that without any regard for the reputation of the person that they were interviewing, about whom they were speaking. And that in most cases, especially in my case as an 18-year-old high school student, there wasn't anything that anyone could do about it. So maybe, maybe I started out my early adult life just a, a bit overly jaded. Uh, but I've, I've seen plenty since then to reinforce some of my suspicions of the news media. And if I hadn't, up to the last couple of weeks, I think the past few weeks would be enough to convince me, not just about news, not just about social media, but just about people in general and the way they talk and the things they say about one another, that most of what is said is more fiction for the purpose of entertainment than it is for actually informing folks about what's really happening. Uh, worse yet, and we, we see it, um, it's for furthering agendas through lies that we can tell about our opponents. I imagine you've seen um, some of the th- same sorts of things the last couple of weeks. Um, accusatory headlines that are not only not substantiated by any evidence, but actually contradict the body of the article if you read it. Um, video that make it sound like they're spliced to make it sound like a speaker's comments on one subject are actually comments about an entirely different subject. Activity of one group of people portrayed on a video that's framed intentionally to exclude that there are other people involved in the same activity right there with them. Completely fabricated images of damage done to monuments. Completely fabricated. Photoshopped, made up, posted. Uh, One public person calling another public person out by name and without offering a single piece of evidence, accusing the person of paying someone to murder someone. Here's where it gets really twisted up. People posing as supporters of one side an issue and saying outrageous things to discredit the side that they're pretending to support. And to make matters worse, uh, people on, on both sides of the issue, whatever it is, all sides of every issue, sharing and sharing and sharing all of the above over and over and over again. Uh, it, it's hard not to, not to look at what's happening right now and, and think of the, the words, first of all, the words we heard in the first scripture reading from Jeremiah, but something very similar that Isaiah says in chapter 59. No one 
No one. No one enters suit justly. No one goes to law honestly. They rely on empty pleas. They speak lies, conceiving and uttering from the heart, lying words. Justice is turned back. Righteousness stands far away, for truth has stumbled in the public squares. Another thing that's come to my mind over and over and over again in the last few months, Psalm 116, 11, I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. That's the way it feels. So yeah, uh, this is the sort of thing that makes me want to take my time and, and sort through the issues before speaking to them directly, even though I think it's important that we do that. And so I'm going to let my intern do that next week. <laughs> I'm joking, kind of. Um, Tyler will be specifically addressing some of the current issues, especially those related to racism for our Sunday school, our opening Sunday school next week. I encourage you to attend and listen to what he has to say about that. But here's something that I feel like I can and that I need to talk about even now. Uh, Again, this very thing that seems to me slowing everything down and muddling everything for everyone. And it's, again, these, the lies. Um, The lies surrounding the issues, the lies surrounding the people involved. I do think that we as pastors have at least to address this. Two reasons. One, while maybe not addressing these issues directly, the practices that we've just described are inflaming and exacerbating every issue. They're creating issues sometimes where there wouldn't be issues. And so unless we're addressing part of the root of the problem is that everyone is lying about everything... I don't think we can expect to see any resolution of the problem and the problems themselves. Lies only create chaos. Uh, the scripture speaks to this. Proverbs sixteen twenty eight: A dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. Even people who are already in good relationship with one another. Lies can break that relationship. Proverbs 26, 28. A lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin. It seems to me that that's what we're, that's what we're seeing. And we can say, yeah, I mean, that's the world. What more can we really expect? Or we could take the line that Paul says, what have we to do with judging those outside? Well, that's actually an introduction to the second reason that I think that we need to address this as pastors because it's not just the world outside that's doing this, that's engaging in this. Many of the things that I listed earlier were done specifically by very publicly professing Christians. And so Christians, Christians whom I as a pastor have a very particular duty to address from this pulpit, Christians are participating in exactly the same things. Let's just state clearly, first of all, what the law of God says about this. 
Even in the Big Ten. Exodus 20, 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Leviticus 19, 16. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. Exodus 23, 1. Listen to this one. You shall not spread a false report. This is the law of God. And violations of these laws are things that God particularly hates. How do I say that? Well, Proverbs 6, 17, there are six things the Lord hates that he cannot stand. Among them, a false witness who breathes out lies and one who sows discord among brothers. Proverbs 12, 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Things the Lord hates, things for which the Lord prescribes severe penalties. Psalm 101, the psalmist speaking in the character of Messiah, says, No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. Psalm 5, 6, the psalmist says to God, You destroy those who speak lies. Now again, is it entirely surprising perhaps that the world isn't following God's law? even though everyone knows it, even though this is written on the heart. Not surprising in one sense. The problem with the law, even with the law that's written on our hearts, Paul tells us in Romans, is that while the law is good, the law doesn't change our nature. And the big problem is, is that by nature... We are really prone and inclined to do this sort of thing that we've been describing. Jeremiah 17, 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Jesus, just in Matthew 15, 19, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, false witness, slander, Romans 1.29, as Paul is describing the universal state of mankind, says they are filled with all manner of unrighteousness, deceit. They are gossips. They are slanderers. Why? What do we get out of this? Why, why, is, why is this part of our nature? Why do people do things? What do we get out of saying false and harmful things about others? Well, sometimes it might be to support our cause, and maybe our cause is a good one. Um, sometimes, slightly baser, sometimes it's just in order to benefit ourselves, generally, make ourselves look better, opposed, compared to other people. Sometimes we do this out of jealousy. Sometimes we do it out of a desire to hurt another person who has in some way hurt us. Maybe it's just for entertainment. Um, maybe we just get a kick sometimes out of the drama we can kick up. To quote the, uh, the theologian Alfred Pennyworth, it's Batman's butler, by the way. <laughs> Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. I think we're frankly seeing some of that. But again, it's not new. 
We've always seen this kind of behavior in the world. Um, Every once in a while in political discourse, you say, we just need to go back to the days of the founding fathers and the way they waged political war. The only way you can say that is you have no idea how those campaigns were actually run. But again, I'm not speaking primarily to the world. I'm speaking primarily to those who claim to be in Christ. Because we're supposed to be different, even this even if this is the way it is right now, even if this is the way that it's always been. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to act differently. We're supposed, Paul says, to shine like lights in the midst of a perverse and twisted and dark generation. And what's more, we're supposed to actually have the ability to do so. Why is that? Well, to lie and to slander, and to bear false witness. It may be human nature. But the scripture tells us, and Paul tells us many times in many places, those who are united to Christ don't have to be enslaved to that nature. What has happened? This is what's happened. Those who believe in Christ, the Spirit has united you to Christ in his death and in his resurrection And so our old self, the old self that wants to do all these sorts of things, has been put to death. It's been crucified. And we're made into a new creation. And on top of that accomplished reality, we're called to reckon that old self and that old nature as dead, as gone, as powerless. And we're to actually, actively engage in killing those old ways. And as we look at the sections where Paul is talking about this thing, we see that what we're describing, lying, slander, malice, these are the old ways. And these are the things that in union with Christ, we are specifically called to put away. Colossians chapter 3, he says, don't lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. He says in the same passage, but now you must put them all away, including malice and slander. In Christ, brothers and sisters, we are not to lie to others. We are not to bear false witness against others. We are not to slander people. That is, we're not to say false things against people to injure their reputation. We're not to do this to people, to any people. Now, here's two two things I think we need to remember and realize. Something that seems it's often forgotten, especially when we engage in post-sharing, it doesn't matter if our slander is against a public figure, someone that you don't know personally. It's still a person made in God's image, And your slander against that person, even if it's a public person, is still slander. It's still something God hates. Something else that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if our slander isn't against a specific individual, but instead it's against a race, or it's against a party, or it's against an occupation. It doesn't somehow make it less slanderous if you say it about more than one person. If you're falsely and you're unjustly injuring the reputation of any person or any group of persons, you're slandering those who are made in the image of God. And Paul says, this is not the way you have learned Christ. 
So, so what does this mean? What does it mean that we actually have to avoid? What exactly do we have to put off? Well, I think really quickly we can go through some of the very obvious things. Don't lie about people. Meaning, don't invent and then disseminate false and injurious stories that you know to be false. Don't do that to others. That should be obvious. Um, Only slightly less obvious, perhaps, should be this. Don't pass along reports like that that you know someone else just invented. Further, don't pass along stuff like that that you have even good reason to believe that someone else invented. But one step further, and here's really the point, I think, for us. Because I think this is possibly where we need the most help, and I think this is what needs to be most emphasized this morning. Listen. It's a subtle difference, but listen. Don't pass along bad reports that you don't actually positively know to be true. Exodus 23.7 says to keep far from a false charge. False reports that you pass along because you didn't actually take the time to investigate are still false reports that you're passing along. You may not do this. This is not the way you have learned Christ. Negligent slander is still slander, and it is just as much a work of the old self. But as I say, it does seem to be one of the traps into which Christians most often fall. I mean, most of us have the the self-awareness not to just say, I'm going to write a completely fake article and post it on Facebook today. Generally not. Probably also not seeing something, I know that's fake, I know that's false, but I'm going to share it anyway. That's probably less of a problem for us as well. But how many times do we just say, that fits with what I think, share. We have... We have to watch out. We have to actively make an effort to ensure that the negative things that we hear and that we're tempted to pass along, we have the obligation to make sure that they're not actually slanderous lies. Now, it's hard to do this. It's hard for a couple reasons. It's hard because there are people out there who want to incite exactly the kind of dissension that we're experiencing. They're reporting and posting lies for that express purpose. There is, I don't want to sound conspiratorial, I'll tell you, check Google this week. There is an entire industry in inserting fake reports into conflicts to, dest- to destabilize entire nations. Okay? Don't take my word for it. That's going to be one of the main lessons. Don't take my word for it. Check it out this week. It's hard to protect ourselves in this way because lots of very professionally packaged lies are bombarding us daily. Lies particularly crafted for certain groups to stir them up against other groups. But that's not the hardest part. Here's the hardest part. It's even harder for us to seriously fulfill this duty that we have 
to make sure that what we're saying isn't lies. It's hard for us to avoid the lies for even more fundamental reason, and that is because deep down, you want to believe them. You want to. Especially when they're lies that fit with what you want to be true. Especially when they're lies that help you make your case. Especially when they're lies that are being told by people on your side of the issue. Especially when they're lies that make the other side look bad. You want in your heart to believe and to report bad things about those who disagree with you. And here's how twisted up we can really be. Lies don't even have to be about our opponents in order for us to be tempted to listen to and share them. Sometimes bad news about people is just plain tasty. Proverbs 18.8 The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Yes, you have been crucified and raised with Christ, those of you who have put your faith in him. But there are still passions that wage war against your soul. And this desire to slander your neighbor is one of them. It's waging war against your soul. And you have to wage war back. You can't go with the default on this one. The default is not a happy place. This is why we see in the scriptures many times men having to call out for, to God for help in this area. Psalm 119.29, put false ways far from me, knowing that they're already there. Proverbs 38, remove far from me falsehood and lying. This particular war, this particular engagement requires constant, diligent, active involvement and restraint. Why does First Peter and First Peter 2, 1 say, so put away all malice and deceit and slander because they're already there with you. You don't have to go looking for them. Why does the psalmist in Psalm 34, 13 say, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit because that's what they're going to do otherwise. This is your default. So how do we fight? How do we engage in this? How do we find success in this war? How do we keep from slandering our neighbor, either intentionally or negligently? Well, the good news is that the the word of God gives us lots of principles to help us avoid this kind of thing. Lots of very practical principles. Let me just start big picture generally, and then we'll kind of move down to the more specifics. Very generally. Stop talking so much. <clears throat> Proverbs 10, 19. When m- words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Don't talk too much. Don't post too much. Don't comment too much. Just cut down on the volume of your discourse. The more you talk and talk and talk, the more likely God's word says you are to slip into sin, and in particular, into the sin of slander. Here's another revolutionary principle. 
Make it a practice of only talking when you actually know what you're talking about. When Paul speaks in 1 Timothy of certain persons who speak without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions, he's not complimenting them. We're not to be like the fool in Proverbs 18.2, who takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. If all you know about a subject comes from headlines of articles that you haven't actually read, or from memes, it's possible that you may not be qualified to speak intelligently about it. It's possible. Maybe it'd be better if you didn't. Maybe you should read a book. Or watch a documentary. Or have an expert over for dinner and talk with him or her before you go spouting off. Another, another sort of general principle that applies in lots of different ways, but in this area especially. Um, Proverbs 24, 23. Partiality in judging is not good. It's just a basic standard of fairness. And for this, you have to, you have to be aware of your biases. You have to know what you're prone to think. You have to be conscious of that, and you have to think about that as you're interacting with claims that are made. Don't be judging one side by one standard and the other side by the other standard. Use the same standard of proof for claims against your enemies as you would want to be used against those on your side. And to bring this more personal, use the same standard of proof for claims about others that you would want used about yourself. This is simply the golden rule. Would I want a story like this, saying this about me, printed on this kind of evidence? If you wouldn't, then don't do it. Now, narrowing in a little bit to principles that are related more specifically to, to slander. Um, Proverbs twenty four twenty eight says, Be not a witness against your neighbor without cause. And do not deceive with your lips. This is an important question for us to think about, for you to think about every time you're going to say something or post something. Um, what is it that constitutes cause for a charge against your neighbor? Well, there actually has to be some substantial evidence of what you're going to claim that that person has done or said. It can't just be your suspicion. It can't just be your assumption that somebody like this would do something like this, so it must be true. Evidence. Substance. This is, not, this is not an invented principle of American jurisprudence. This is from the Word of God itself. Deuteronomy 19.15 A single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or three witnesses shall a charge be established. A similar principle and approach would be very, very good for us to consider as we're about to say something negative about someone else. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. There are times when it's clear we need to be warned about what people are doing. I'm not saying, it's, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say, say anything at all. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm saying if you don't have anything nice to say, make sure it's true. That's all. That's all I'm saying at this point. It is a very bad idea to pass along or to believe a bad report or a suspicion unless you have multiple independent sources that are saying the same thing. And listen, 
3,000 shares of the same anonymous and undocumented meme don't count. Exodus 23, 2 says, you shall not bear witness in a lawsuit siding with the many. It doesn't matter how many people without any information are saying the same thing. We have an obligation to investigate and to examine the claim before we make it. Another principle, don't be quick to believe an ill report of another. Don't pass along the news. And listen, don't even let your own heart come to a conclusion too quickly. Proverbs 25, 7. What your eyes have seen, and this isn't even about a report. This is, okay, I've seen this. What your eyes have seen do not bring hastily into court. For what will you do in the end when your neighbor puts you to shame? What What if you don't have all the information? What if you're going on just one little thing you saw? 1813. If, 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 we just, if we just did this, it would take care of 95% of the problem. Listen, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. In particular, you should not be comfortable believing or passing along an evil report until that person who's accused actually has had an opportunity to give his side of what happened. And until you've actually had time to listen to and to consider that response. Proverbs 18, 17. The one who states his case first seems right. Until what? Until the other comes and examines him. I can't tell you how many times I have had this experience in situations of pastoral counseling or other, other church-related things. You hear, oh, wow, that's amazing. That's, that's got to be... And then, whoa, whoa, wait... Like a ping pong ball, back and forth. Slow down. Listen to everything that there is to be said about this. One, one final principle along these lines. You really ought to consider even just avoiding particular people or particular news sites that are known to do this. Proverbs twenty nineteen. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. Proverbs 17.4 says, An evildoer listens to wicked lips, and a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. A lot of our sin in this area even begins with our listening to lies, wanting to believe them, and taking them from there. So there are more, but I think these are some of the more prominent practical measures that will help you avoid uh, both purposeful and negligent slander, which is what we're called to do. Now, I can, can, imagine, can imagine some objections. Uh, one we've kind of touched on. But this person or this group, they're really bad. And so what difference does it make if the really bad thing I'm saying about them is or isn't true, this particular thing, when I know they're really bad anyway? And what if it's for a good cause? True or not? What if it actually helps sway people? And especially because the other side's not fighting fair. What will happen if we just tell the truth? What will happen if we don't spread this false report? Well, it should go without saying, but I'll say it. Someone being an evil person does not give you carte blanche to accuse him of every conceivable evil. Everything that you're charging someone with, you have to have specific evidence for that. And here's another thing to consider. Slanderous lying doesn't actually help a cause, even a good cause, in the end. 
Proverbs 20, 17. Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be full of gravel. Tell the truth. Leave the results to God. Proverbs 21, 6. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue, the, ga- the gaining of an advantage in a political dispute or in anything, the getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. Any gains that you make in your cause by false slander won't last. And neither will you if you keep telling them. Proverbs twelve nineteen: Truthful lips endure forever, but the lying tongue is but for a moment. But now, the, the final objection. Can it really... Can it really be my responsibility, my responsibility, to make sure that what I'm passing along from somebody else, what they've said, do I have the obligation to make sure that that's true? Am I putting this burden on you? Well, the burden's on you, but not because I'm putting it there. This is the burden that God is placing upon you. Remember, God's command isn't just against inventing false reports. It's against bearing them. It's against spreading them. Ah, but yeah, it's negligence, right? I mean, it's, it's different than intention, and that's true. But here's one way in which it's not different. Jesus reminds us that we will give an account for every careless word on the day of judgment. Every careless word. Negligence is not going to make that experience any more pleasant when you have to account for the lies that you spread and the lies that you told. But, I mean, what if, what, who has time to actually look at all the evidence for all of these things? I mean, what if I don't have time to do that? Then be quiet. Well, that doesn't sound very democratic, right? I mean... If, if we follow these rules, then the only people who will be able to express an opinion about something are people who have studied it. What a blessed thing that would be. Huh? I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine what public discourse would be if people didn't make accusations which they hadn't actually had the opportunity to investigate? With such restrictions, I won't be able to say much of anything. Yes. Yes. Which, according to Proverbs, means that you will have much less opportunity to sin. So what what happens? What happens if Christians begin following God's law in these matters? Will change the world? Will it completely turn public discourse around? Could. It might. Even if it doesn't, I would say the least that we could do is to stop positively, actively contributing to the chaos. And if it, even if it doesn't make much of a change in the whole scene of public discourse, just, just imagine this. Imagine what it would be like if Christians were known as people who only said things they actually believed to be true and that they had actually thought about, and that they had actually studied, and that they actually had evidence for. What good would that 
do for the church. I mean, can you think of a better way, especially right now, a better way that we could be said to shine like lights in the darkness? In any case, irrespective of the results, this is your calling. This is the way the new man is to live. This is what your Lord commands. Let's walk in it.